The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, he went okay, to the well, I give up, man. If you're not going to be honest about it, I give. John, my nipple, looks like, my nipple looks like my cat, like, a, like my cat's nipple. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Kaepernick's not going to be signed by the Seahawks because he said he's not going to stop kneeling. I'm just kidding. We ain't talking about that. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll talk about hockey. No black people there. Don't worry about it, Pittsburgh. Wes Euler from Philadelphia. Radio dude out there joins us now on the show. Friend of the program. Friend in real life. Wes, are they still feeling themselves out there in Philly? They've been knocked down a peg after that one yesterday. Mr. Crowley. Uh, No longer feeling themselves. Well, I don't know. The Sixers have won 16 straight games, so everybody's still pretty pumped about that. But in terms of uh, the, the action on ice, I think they're pretty deflated. Do it in the playoffs, Sixers. Maybe that should be my next call on ESPNPGH.com. Do it in the playoffs. Just go full Philadelphia troll. I know that we've talked about the Flyers fans kind of being the secret underbelly of Philadelphia fandom, but... Coming into the series, based on all the success that the Eagles have had and that Nova's had and now that the 76ers have had, was there a sense that the Flyers could actually do this thing? Was there an air of superiority coming from the underground uh, Philadelphia sports fans? And not by uh, an overwhelming majority of people. There were, of course, some who talked themselves into the Flyers winning this series or the Flyers having a, a really good shot in this series. I, again, I wouldn't say it was an overwhelming majority of people or anything like that. There, there again, though, there were definitely some who drummed up um, some, some optimism. And uh, it was funny because a big part of that was the goaltending. It was, hey, the Flyers have some depth at goaltending. The Penguins just have Murray. What if he gets hurt? What if he falls apart? Maybe that could end up being an advantage for the Flyers. And I think we found out pretty quick last night that uh, that was not going to be the case. Well, let me counter with this, Wes. What if he doesn't fall apart? What if? Well, let me counter with this, Adam. What if he has over 200 straight shutout minutes in playoff hockey? That is unbelievable, man. I talked about it earlier in the show. This is a guy who has pedigree because he's got ability. He's six foot four. He fills up a whole bunch of the net. He plays positionally sound. He does a lot of things on the ice that you love and that will get you drafted and it'll get you up to the National Hockey League. But for a player who's as young as Matt Murray. To have never lost a playoff series, to have three straight shutouts in postseason hockey, I I can't wrap my head around somebody being that mentally tough at this stage in their career. And and the craziest part about it, maybe you and I need to start a campaign here, because we hear a lot about how uh, the NHL loves the Pens and NBC loves the Pens, and it's always the Penguins, and the coverage is always about the Penguins. But could you imagine if Lundqvist or Quick or Holtby, or one of these other big-name goaltenders had done what, have done what Matt Murray has done or would be on a 200-plus minute shutout streak in the postseason with two of those games being games five and six in the Stanley Cup final, and then the third game coming after kind of the tumultuous season that Murray's had here. It's insane to me how it's not really a big story and no one's talking about it because 
again, we do see that the Penguins have kind of been the darlings of the limelight in terms of NHL coverage, but it's, in, it's crazy. 200-plus minutes straight, no goals allowed. When two of those games were, were in the Stanley Cup final, one of them the clincher on the road, it, it, it's insane that it's not really being talked about other than you and I, but we're starting the campaign right here, right now. we got to come up with a hashtag. How about earn tomorrow? <laughs> How awful is that, Wes? It's so bad. It's so bad. And I saw your tweet where you were saying, what do you mean earn tomorrow? All you have to do is go to bed and then you wake up and it's tomorrow. It's, it's so bad. I don't know where that comes from. And they've, They've had some good hashtags in the past, um, but Earn Tomorrow is, is definitely not one of them. No, it's absolutely not. We've got to come up with something for Matt Murray. Maybe Tom will come up with something during the segment. Tom's our creative guy. Well, Brian's our creative guy. Tom's. I kind of threw Tom a bone there. I didn't mean to. Uh, Wes Euler joining me here on the Crowley Show, our Philadelphia radio dude. Uh, Wes, in that vein, if it was Lundquist, like you said, Every woman, I think, in New York would be pregnant today just by looking at him shut out teams for three straight games. What do you think it is about Murray that allows him to shake off what was not a good regular season? Uh, He's been kind of open with saying the regular season didn't really matter to him. So I think that's part of it. I don't think we could argue that it didn't really matter to, to many guys on this team. But his demeanor is crazy. It's like nothing I've seen from a goalie, at least not in Pittsburgh, I don't think. And that's with all due respect to Flurry and Barrasso and some of the goaltenders that came before Murray. Like you just said, he does not get rattled. He does not get shook. It's crazy how he has this grasp of the moment, but at the same time, does, never gets rattled. It, uh, the mental makeup of him, a goalie, too. And we see goalies all the time. Or you, you know, they're pitchers in baseball. They're weird guys. But he is just so dialed in mentally all the time, especially for a guy who is still young. He's younger than you and I are. And he's way more. He's got way more mental maturity and, and mental depth than I could ever hope to have. It is incredibly impressive. And, again, it's, it's, I think it's kind of criminal how – uh, not just nationally, but in Pittsburgh as well, we're not given this, like just showering this kid with praise. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can be done? Breaker Breaker 1-9, we got a 20 on a county mountain, spinning discos and slapper paper on a Nazi wagon in the Hammer Lane on McKnight Road near the No-Tell Hooker House. Settle that pedal and keep it off the metal or you'll be dropping them green stamps and Papa Bear's piggy bank. It's the Smoky Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air, you give us a holler and we'll get you home without that extra freight. And remember, keep that shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. He's pounding down. Wes, under what circumstances would you put... Just real quick, I, I was hoping that that happened. I'm so happy that just happened. 10-4, good buddy. Would you yeah, put... Breaker, breaker, nine nine Brian Elliott back in the goal for game number two. Um, yeah, I heard you talking about this earlier. I would, and I don't think it's really <gasps> that much of a debate. Uh, he was the, if you will, the, the kind of the horse that got him there. If you look at his regular season numbers, obviously they were nothing that jump off the page at you, but they're respectable. He was 23-11-7, save percentage, 2.66 goals against average. Those are, those are respectable numbers for a number one goaltender in the NHL. 
I don't have any faith in Mrazek. I don't have any faith in any of the other stable of AHL younger goaltenders that they have. If they have any hope in this series, Brian Elliott has to play well. And so I would absolutely go with him once more. Now, if he has another disaster like he did last night, then I would, I would consider moving on and giving Mrazek a shot, obviously. But I think, again, while it, it looks kind of obvious that he's not 100% healthy, I think their only chance to get back into this series is for him to play well. That's interesting. Okay, that's a different viewpoint than we've gotten today. Certainly a different one than I've got. He was the horse that got him there, so I understand it from that standpoint. And I understand Hackstall going with the guy that he best believes give them the chance to win. That's what you want to see. That being said, coming off of an injury, playing two games prior to the regular uh, the postseason, pardon me, it is a really difficult space for Brian Elliott to be occupying right now. Absolutely, and, and he only had two games before he came back from that injury, and and who do you get to see on the road, the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions who have just been a terror in their own building and, and maybe, not maybe, the best offensive juggernaut in this league over the past two, three seasons. And it's just a, a hell of a situation for Elliott to find himself in. Well, let but me again, stop I you there. Think... Let me stop you there then, Wes. And, and this is more of a, a question about the Flyers and the fans, I, I suppose, and I suppose media around town as well. Was the Penguins the matchup that they wanted? Because I know at Pittsburgh, that's what I wanted to see. A lot around town here wanted to see. In Philly, did they care who they played? Did they want to see Pittsburgh? About two, three, four weeks ago, I think they enjoyed the idea of a Pittsburgh series because the Flyers were playing much better. It was kind of, hey, what do we have to lose? We can knock these guys off. We did it in 2012, and Philly with the Eagles still kind of has the whole underdog thing going on. And, again, we've as we've talked about you and I on this program together multiple times, feeling themselves a little bit. But I don't think coming down the stretch in the, towards the last couple games of the season that they were really opining to play the Penguins or anything like that. I, I think actually a lot of the people that I talked to thought that they matched up better against the Capitals or, or maybe some of the other teams that they could have seen, even the Boston Bruins. So, no, again, like I, we were talking about earlier, minority of people – I think the majority of them were were smart enough to realize that they did not want to see anything to do or have anything to do with the Penguins. But there were some that, that wanted to take their chances and thought that, you know, all oh, the Penguins are still a team that you can rattle and the Flyers can do it and they can kind of bring this back like it was in 2012. But definitely not the majority of people. They, they knew the buzzsaw they were running into. Wes Euler joining us here on the Crowley Show. Last couple of things now for Wes. When looking at this series shifting to Philadelphia – I think the Flyers' best chance to get back in this series, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think their best chance is for them to match that Giroux-Couturier lineup with the Kessel-Brassard line. I think that gives them the best chance to control some play. I think it gives them the best chance to allow Giroux to be the guy he was during the regular season. If his line's going up against Crosby's line with Brian Rust and Jay Gensel, I think they're going to get eaten alive. They did yesterday. I think if they're going up against Malkin's line, the way he's playing, and the way that Carl Hagelin and Hornquist are playing, I think they'll get eaten alive there. I think that's the one thing that Hackstall can do to give this team a jump when it goes to Philly. I wouldn't disagree with anything you just said. and You know what might even, could possibly even, I don't know, this might be crazy, but what if they move Claude Drew back to center? I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious that the Penguins just have a devastating advantage down the middle. What about moving Drew back to center? And then all of a sudden, oh. you, have Drew, you have Patrick and you have Couturier. You have three respectable centers. And at least from that standpoint, you're on 
a more of a level ground when you're trying to match up with the Penguins. I, I, they have to do something. Maybe I, I was surprised. I really thought they'd break up, break up Ivan Provorov and, and Gostas there because those are the Flyers' two best defensemen yeah. by a long shot. Those are the Flyers' two best skating, moving, puck-moving defensemen by a long shot. And I thought that they would want to have one out there against Crosby's line, one out there against Balkan or the kessel Broussard tandem. I'm, I think they're going to go with what they did in game one all over again. And, and Hacksaw's getting chewed up for it today, but it seems like they're going to go with the same lineup, the same lines, all that kind of stuff, and just think, hey, we're going to play better. But if that doesn't go to plan, I think it's, you're going to have to do something because it's the oldest cliche in the book, but you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Wes, last thing for you, you rocking your Penguins gear around town today. Oh, absolutely. I, I Yesterday I was wearing uh, the 412 hoodie. Today I was out walking the dog in the Penguins t-shirt. And tomorrow, actually, uh, we have a live uh, remote show from Chickies and Peace, which is a big sports bar in South Philly, less than a mile away from the stadium. And you already know that I'll be uh, wearing a Penguins t-shirt there as well. So don't you worry. I am, uh, I am representing out here as always. Well, we'll talk to you never again. Thanks for your time, Wes. Hey, just remember, Danny Briere was offside. Go Mountaineers. <laughs> Wes Euler, thanks for joining us here on the Crowley Show. Coming up next, go Mountaineers, by the way. We got Jesse Marshall from The Athletic, and then the show's going to end with a flourish. I look forward to the end of the show every day. The hottest take, other crap, and three stars. Who the hell are going to be the three stars today? I've had a fabulous show. I think Harry Carey's been great. Brian's been killing it with the Smokey reports. Wes was fabulous. Jesse's been going to be great. I don't know. I don't know. But stick around to find out. ESPN Pittsburgh. SchultzFord.com. Where? SchultzFord.com. SchultzFord.com. $500 best price guarantee. SchultzFord.com. SchultzFord.com. So he starts rubbing my beard, right? Oh, no. oh, nice. I know. And I'm like, dude, I just met you 15 minutes ago. That's going to right. buy you, you dinner beard, before you do something like but that. But he lifted up his shirt. Oh. And underneath it says, Go Mountaineers. <laughs> Sam Carcini, who joined us on the program yesterday, just tweeted this out. Flyers will not have a morning skate Friday. That means the lines and pairings they use today figure to be used in the game. They were the same as last night. I guess they could always try to match up differently, but... All right, Hackstall. Good luck with that. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins us now here on The Crowley Show. Uh, Jesse, hey, thanks for coming on today, man. Really, uh... Uh, really good to hear from you. How you doing? Doing well, Adam. Chili goal last night, eh? Chili goal and uh, touchdown all in game one. Yeah, not a bad way to get things started. Certainly not. And I think my favorite thing about the Penguins those last two postseasons is that after these blowout-type games, they don't let off the gas at all. They're going to evaluate their play as if the Flyers are going to adjust. And I think we're going to see the Penguins play a good game tomorrow, too. Yeah, and well, if you listen, if you listen to these two coaches, Adam, uh, one of them, the one that lost seven nothing, said he's not changing a thing, uh, which is you know an interesting strategy. Uh, and Mike <laughs> Sullivan started today off 
uh, with a video session where he pointed out all the things the Penguins didn't do well enough last night. So if you wanted uh, to, to really get a good taste of the dichotomy that exists between these two teams right now, uh, you've got uh, one coach coming off a 7 nothing loss saying he's going to keep everything the way it was, and the other coach uh, uh, who was the, uh, came out on the good side of that 7 nothing victory uh, t- basically sat his team down this morning and uh, pointed out everything that they did wrong. And, uh, you know, that's generally, I think, why the Penguins are in the position that they are. Uh, you know, seven nothing's not good enough. Ten nothing's not good enough. There's always, there's always something that, that, that can be improved. And I think that uh, overall, too, I, you know, not to make him sound out, you know, like he's a bully and he's in there, you know, beating everybody up a la John Tortorella. I think it's constructive stuff. Uh, and I think that the, the, you know, for example, the, the Penguins' top power play last night probably left a little bit to be desired. I think that they got into a couple instances of turnover trouble in the neutral zone. Um, that, that's nitpicking from our perspective. Uh, but for Mike Sullivan, refining those things uh, is what he needs to do uh, in order to get this team over the hump and into a third straight championship. Well, let's start with some of the things the Penguins need to improve upon because that might be fun given the way that last night's game went. Uh, the Broussard line, uh, none of those guys registered a point save for the power play. Uh, they were all uh, even on the game, and the Penguins did score seven goals. So what would you think about that line and their ability to create things? I thought it was okay. I, I know that Broussard's primary assist came on the power play, um, but it, it looks like, based on what we saw last night, that Dave Hacksaw is going to be happy to, to put Valtteri Sopula out against Eric Broussard. That's a win for the Penguins. Uh, so they may not have gotten on the score sheet last night, but I think if that trio of Sherry, Broussard, and, and Kessel continues to get ice time against that Valtteri Fopula line, they're going to find the back of the net sooner or later. Uh, and at the end of the day, Adam, Valtteri Fopula, the reason I say that is it, this year alone has just been one of the worst defensive centers in the National Hockey League. Uh, and, and Hackstall has tried him uh, against every single trio of Penguin forwards, uh, that he could and has taken a loss on it every time. So no matter, I think no matter what he's done throughout the course of the regular season uh, into last night's game, he's not found a spot where, where Sopila could be successful. Uh, if that's, if this is what he's landed on uh, in terms of matchups with Sopila and, uh, and Broussard going head to head, I don't think that's going to work out for him in the long run. Well, now if I'm the Flyers, I'm worried about every matchup that I thought was right. going to work because uh, the Giroux line got eaten alive. He was a minus four. They're going to keep doing the same thing. Do you think that the Crosby, Gensel, and Rust line is going to have any trouble then this series? So here's where it really gets interesting, Adam, because if you go back and you look at the regular season series, you can watch this chess match between Mike Sullivan and Dave Hackstall takes place. Um, and it wasn't much of a chess match. Dave Hackstall was, was playing chess. Mike Sullivan wasn't. Uh, Hackstall basically came out at the beginning of the year and said, I've got my solution to Sidney Crosby. It's Andrew McDonald. That worked out about as well as I think anybody would have expected it to, except for Dave Hackstall. Uh, and then last night was when we really, for the first time, saw Hackstall put all of his chips into Povarov and Goss Despair as the primary point uh, of defense against Sidney Crosby. And that worked out even worse than the McDonald pairing did. And not only that, Adam, the de facto sort of fallout damage from that was that Radko Gudis and, and, and Brandon Manning went against Evgeny Malkin, and that was just as bad. So to your point, I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, other than reshuffling the lines, which it's a little late in the season for that, um, you know, you don't want to and, – and you can make the argument, given what we saw last night, that'd be the equivalent of, of rearranging the chairs on the, on the deck of the Titanic. So he's got a lot of things to figure out, and, and for right now – 
you got to think about this. The, the, the Flyers are in the playoffs because the Giroux line dragged them there. And, and in my opinion, if you're going to put that line head-to-head with Sidney Crosby, the best you can hope for is a wash. And Philadelphia cannot win this series if the Giroux line is a wash. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. Brian Rust, man, is such a good player. He's such a good player. I don't even know if I have a question there. It's just that he he drives possession anytime he's on the ice. doesn't matter really what line he's on, who he's playing with. He's such a good defensive player. Uh, he's always looking like he's shot out of a cannon. I had been on team, put him on the fourth line to spread the wealth. I'm now on team. I don't care where he plays. I just want to see him play a bunch. Well, he came back from injury earlier this year. They put him on the fourth line to get his feet wet, and that was probably the best Penguins' fourth line has looked all season up to last night. Uh, they've put him with they've put him with Evgeny Malkin and had success there. Uh, he can play to your point with just about everyone, and I I think that when you look at his motor and you look at his foot speed, uh, he's not technically gifted in, in amazing ways. Uh, he gets shots off, they go on net, and he's fast. Uh, and in this system. That's really all you need is if you could get to where the play is going to be right quick and in a hurry, uh, more often than not, you're going to find yourself in an advantageous situation with an opportunity to score goals. And uh, we saw him do just that in the first period last night. I usually like to rag on Philadelphia. In fact, we've done a good deal of that already in the first 27 minutes of the show. I feel bad doing it, though, about Brian Elliott. The guy's coming off of an injury that you wouldn't think he'd be able to recover from as quickly as they think he's recovered from it. And I don't know if he has recovered from it. And I think he's been put in a bad situation. He played two games prior to the playoffs. He was bad in one of them. He was okay in the other one where there weren't a lot of great chances by the Rangers thrown on goal. I don't think it's a good. it was a good strategy to play him as the number one goaltender. And I really don't think it's a good strategy to go back to him tomorrow night. It's not a well I would go back to. And I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Peter Mirajic played well last night. Uh, but he made some saves. He did. And, and probably stopped a little bit of the bleeding that, that prevented that game from being 9 nothing. Um, there was a reason, Adam, that the, the Penguins came out shooting the way they did last night. Uh, I, I think the Penguins, in watching tape of Elliott's two performances coming back from injury, identified rebound control as a problem. Uh, and when they started that game off last night, every puck they had an opportunity to throw at the net, went at the net. Uh, and the next thing you know, one comes off of his blocker, it kicks right into the slot, and Brian Rust is there for the rebound. So I think they knew that going in. I think that was something the Penguins were looking for. because They found it in spades. And I, I can't in good conscience point to Brian Elliott uh, for the fault of all those goals. Uh, but that first one and that bad rebound into the slot, uh, make no mistake about it, is what started that avalanche. Uh, and if he can't lock that down, uh, the Penguins are just going to keep on coming. Uh, they're going to keep coming. They're going to keep shooting from every angle, and they're going to continue to force him uh, into situations where he's handcuffed and he's taking those pucks back out into the slot. So it's another one of those situations for Philly, Adam, where maybe there's not a right, a right answer to the situation. Uh, but I thought that, A, he was yanked too late, uh, and B, given too much of a vote of confidence after the game was over. I think that both of those, and uh, in retrospect, will be mistakes by the Flyers coaching staff. Top seven here at Wrigley Field today. An absolutely gorgeous day for day baseball. Pirates beating up on our Cubbies 6-1 to one right now. Couple fans beneath me eating some nachos. Hey, I'm jealous of those two. I love me a good ballpark nacho. But I'm not a big fan of the tortilla chips. 
I like to just use my fingers and scoop out the cheese and, and suck it dry right off of my hand. I, I don't know about you, but I can't get enough of that nacho cheese, Adam. Back to you. I think the Penguins played their best defensive game in a very long time. Mike Sullivan said so much after the game. Jesse, do you agree? Uh, I do. And, you know, and it's kind of tough to gauge it because Philadelphia made so many mistakes that, you know, you have a hard time separating what was good defense away from what was just poor play by Philadelphia. But uh, I thought their man marking was great. I think you'd be hard-pressed to look back and, and find a situation where they left someone open uh, in the slaughter in a situation where, uh, you know, it created a, a high-quality scoring chance. I mean, obviously, you know, Matt Murray had to be called on several times. But uh, overall, not a lot to complain about. And, and some, of the, some of the advanced metrics from last night's game are a little bit misleading because there was 5 nothing before the halfway point of the game. Uh, and the Penguins did kind of hang back a little bit at times and, and absorb some shots, which kind of made some of the database results wonky. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that we've seen them flip the switch now, and I think we, we should probably never doubt whether or not they can ever do that again because I think last night was a, about as a, a vulgar of a, a switch flipping as I've ever seen in my life. So uh, I think that if that's any indication of where they're headed, I, I, I think that they're in, a good, they're in good shape defensively speaking. That is a tremendous phrase. It is as vulgar a switch flipping as I've ever seen in my life. How about that for Matt Murray? Uh, the guy did not have a great regular season. A lot of reasons, I think, for that, including the Penguins not playing all that great in front of him at times. Should we be surprised at all that he's now recorded his third playoff shutout in a row? Well, Josh Yogi from the Athletic Colleague there asked, uh, talked to Matt Murray about that yesterday. And Matt Murray's response is basically, I don't care about the regular season. Uh, <laughs> he basically just came right out and said it. He goes, you can keep your individual awards. I don't care about that. Uh, I don't care about what my results look like at the end of the year. My primary focus is on winning championships and certainly looked the part last night. I think every single player today that talked to the media, Adam, referenced his save in the first period. Um, and, and then Mike Sullivan uh, this morning said that you could hear the chatter on the bench when that happened. And the guys perked up. Uh, and not that the Penguins are getting shelled at that point. Uh, he saved. And that's a game that, that could have changed direction a little bit. Um, you know, had that save not gotten made. And, and for evidence of that, Adam, think back to 2012. Uh, game one, uh, you know, the Penguins go up 3 nothing. Uh, they're absolutely dominating the game. Daniel Briere scores a goal from an offside position that took the wind right out of, uh, right out of the stadium or right out of the arena, uh, and the Flyers came back and won that game. So if Matt Murray doesn't make that save, you and I might be having a much different conversation today. Evgeny Malkin is unbelievable. I think it should be the Evgeny Malkin hat trick when he scores a beautiful goal and takes a penalty in the offensive zone. I guess we shouldn't be surprised by him either. And the Penguins turned the quarter this year when he started playing like the superstar that we all know him to be. And I don't necessarily think you can doubt whether he's going to be that guy in the playoffs. He might not be that guy every single night. But, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about the Penguins losing a playoff series. I just am with Crosby and Malkin playing that way. Adam, I don't know what to say about that goal he scored last night. I, I was so blown away watching it happen. Uh, and when he got by Jake Voracek and in in, by the benches there and then cut towards the middle uh, and started to drive everybody wide, uh, it was one of those, you know, get-on-the-edge-of-your-seat moments. Um, he's the most gracefully violent player in the National Hockey League when he's going like that. Uh, and his legs start churning. 
and he has that wide base, you're not knocking him off the puck. Forget about it. Uh, it's not going to be possible. And, and he was in that mode last night. Every time he went on the ice, uh, and it helped for him to be flanked by two uh, Swedish best friends that looked more like the Hansen brothers last night than they did, uh, uh, you know, finesse wingers that can play tough and score goals. Uh, there's a ton of space for him out there because of those two. And that line right now is as big of a problem uh, for the rest of the league as any, as any other line that the Penguins have. Uh, and, and, when, I mean, and that's not – we haven't even gotten to Sidney Crosby yet. I mean, that's, that's, that's how crazy this is. So, it, it is. Uh, and that if, was a demoralizing goal last night, Adam, demoralizing for the Flyers. Without a doubt. And Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek, they spent a lot of time on the power play there. Probably should have gotten off the ice a little bit earlier. Can't believe they didn't register a shot on the power play all night long. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to stick with your point about Haglin and Hornquist. Is there a line in the National Hockey League that if you are a defenseman going back for a puck that you're more afraid of than those guys? Because Haglin's going to get on you so damn quick. And Hornquist, I mean, he just he just doesn't care about himself. He, he's going to kill you. Uh, I can't think of one. I, 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 that, to watch the two of them just tandem forecheck last night uh, was just downright terrifying. And I, I think that... Don't discount how important something like that is. I mean, to be able to have guys that have gone through two long and grueling playoff runs and by their own admission have been saving it for this moment just a little bit is downright terrifying. Uh, and when they were getting in on the forecheck last night, um, throw structure out the window, Adam. Throw structure to the wind. Uh, they don't care. Uh, they're going to forecheck you into oblivion. Uh, they're going to go to the front of the net and they're going to score goals there, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, and I think that that line has the potential, Adam, to be that HBK type of an unstoppable line for the Penguins. Um, it's a matchup nightmare. What do you do if you're an opposing coach? Who are you going to load up on? Uh, I'll say this much. If, if you are game planning on how you're going to stop uh, that trio of, of Hagelin, Hornquist, and Malkin, step one better be to play in the offensive zone 90% of the time. Uh, and step two better be get your most mobile defenseman that you have back there because uh, they are going to need to have their head on a swivel. And, and I think what's interesting about watching game two, Adam, is when you get beat down like that shift after shift after shift, you start to feel that pressure even if it's not there. And I think you saw that last night. I think you saw it from, from Andrew McDonald late in the game when he fumbled a puck uh, that Jake Densel uh, chased down before Crosby's uh, tip goal. I think you saw it last night from Radko Gudis virtually every time he went back to retrieve a puck. Uh, when they get on you like that, you get that in the back of your mind, and now every time you go back for a puck retrieval as a defenseman, you're just waiting to hit. Uh, and then you start in plays with the puck uh, that are indicative of, of situations where you don't have time and space, even if you have time and space. So people have said, well, this isn't going to carry over to game two. It's just one game. I disagree with that. I think the kind of punishment that you get out of that duo uh, 100% carries over game to game. I think you can definitely feel it when you're on the ice. Jesse, love the stuff, man. Appreciate you taking the time, and go grab some nachos. Um, I will. I will let you know, though, that uh, the idea of anyone at that station sucking cheese off their fingers has completely disgusted me, and I may never eat nachos again, so thank you. No problem, buddy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. I love that guy, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Coming up next, fun. So before the fun, let me educate, because I just saw this tweet pop up on my timeline. It's Holocaust Remembrance Day. 
41% of millennials believe that 2 million or fewer Jews were killed in the Holocaust. The actual number is 6 million. What the hell is wrong with you people? It's a Crowley show. We alarm our houses and we alarm our cars. But when it comes to your personal information, it can be tough to know when something isn't right. That's where Discover Card can help. Now, we'll send you an alert if we find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And this service is free for card members. Just sign up online. It's our way of looking out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Burp. Think the Caps win tonight, Tom? I think it's going to be all caps. Full steam ahead, snowflakes. Penguins. Flyers. Tomorrow, right here on ESPN Pittsburgh, 7 o'clock, game two. Penguins won yesterday, 7 to nothing. Got this tweet from Jim. The Pens have a much easier way to the conference final than my Bruins. They're very similar to the Patriots. Both have no competition in their division. Both divisions compare to crap. Hey, Jim, last year the Bruins didn't make the playoffs. I mean, they were the bad team in their division. Uh, meanwhile, the Penguins, they won the Stanley Cup. They also had to play the two teams with the highest point totals in the league in back-to-back series last year. Give me a break. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. I'm so sorry I have to do this to all y'all out there. I feel real bad, but it's coming. It's coming hard. Colin Kaepernick reportedly told the Seattle Seahawks that he would continue to kneel during the national anthem, and then the team abruptly canceled a scheduled workout. We posted that on our Facebook page, ESPN PGH, and Gary replies, No one wants a backup quarterback who's a distraction and draws unwanted media attention to your facility. You're not wrong, Gary. John says... Teams would put up with him if he was a good player. He's not good. Tons of BS. No. Hey, John, you're wrong. Let's tackle both of these. Gary, first guy. Here's the deal, man. Yes, you're right. Teams have a decision to make about Colin Kaepernick because it would be a distraction. But it shouldn't be a distraction. That's the point. The Seattle Seahawks had Richard Sherman. Total prick face. They had Bennett, who... I don't mind, but he is a distraction. And yeah, they shipped them out of town. But they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl without those guys. They had Marshawn Lynch. That guy's a distraction. Won't talk to the media. Can be a D-bag. They wouldn't have won the Super Bowl without that guy. To say that Colin Kaepernick kneeling down is a bigger distraction than what any of those guys brought to the table is a farce. And it shouldn't be something that holds a player back from being signed. It just shouldn't. He kneels down. He's a good player, to tackle John's point. 
His last year in the league, he threw 16 touchdowns and four interceptions. Do you even know who's in this league right now? All the McCowns. All of them. I don't know their names, but there's a lot of McCowns. None of them are good. None of them. They're always hurt. But yet, there's always a McCown starting. Every time Cleveland's on the schedule, McCown. Every time the Jets are on the schedule, McCown. Every time Arizona's on this schedule, it's a quarterback I've never heard of. And you're telling me Colin Kaepernick can't cut it in this league because he's not good enough? Let's not pretend like that's the reason. The reason's the kneeling. And it shouldn't be a reason. Woo! Other crap. Tiger's taking his big old Johnson out and playing at Shinecock for the U.S. Open. That's the joke. Woo! Other crap. The Marlins drew fewer fans than their double-A affiliate against the Mets over the last three days. Yeah, Jeets! Woo! Other crap. Shahoni Atani, did I say that right, Tom? Nailed it. Is lobbying the Angels for more playing time. What the hell's he want to do? Catch two? Woo! Other crap. Bonus hottest take of the day. It's a Tawny guy. Oh, I can pitch. I can hit. What, are you going to play shortstop? Woo! Other crap. Put me in center today, coach. I want to take an opportunity. I want to take a shot out there. I'm sick of this Otani guy. You want to talk about distraction? What does he think he's Bugs Bunny? First base, Bugs Bunny, second base, Bugs Bunny, third base, Bugs Bunny, fourth base. Shut the hell up, Shahoni Otani. Pitch and then hit on your off days. Woo! Other crap. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for the second consecutive season. What a ball hog. Woo! Other crap. I mean, this Russell Westbrook guy, he is the Shahoni Atani of the NBA. Uh, Who does he think he is? I'm going to play guard? I'm going to play center? I'm going to play power forward? Woo! Other crap. There's only one basketball, Russell. Jeez. Booker, who plays for the Suns, says he's done not making the playoffs. Well, for this year he is. Woo! Other crap. The Browns are nearing a deal with Jarvis Landry. I cannot wait to watch Josh Allen overthrow that guy. Woo! Other crap. The last playoff goalie to do what Matt Murray did, have three straight shutouts, was Ilya Brzgalov. Remember when he was talking about bears? Forget bear in the bushes. Forget bear in the air. He was a bear on the ice. Woo! How about that one? Other crap. The Yankees and the Red Sox got into two brawls yesterday. The rivalry's back. Woo! Other crap. Pitt hasn't won a conference game in 409 days. It's time for the three stars of the show. Burr! 
third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Wes Euler. Yesterday I was wearing uh, the 412 hoodie. Today I was out walking the dog in a penguin t-shirt. And tomorrow, actually, uh, we have a live uh, remote show from Chickies and Peace, which is a big sports bar in South Philly, less than a mile away from the stadium. And you already know that I'll be uh, wearing, wearing a penguin t-shirt there as well. So... Shameless plug, but I'll allow it. Second star. <laughs> Tonight's second star of the show, Jesse Marshall. And Matt Murray's response basically, I don't care about the regular season. Uh, he basically just came right out and said it. He goes, you can keep your individual award. I don't care about that. Uh, I don't care about what my results look like at the end of the year. My primary focus is on winning championships. First star! And tonight's first star of the show, your Chicago Cubs broadcaster, Harry Carey! Couple fans beneath me eating some nachos. Hey, I'm jealous of those two. I love me a good ballpark nacho, but I'm not a big fan of the tortilla chips. I like to just use my fingers and scoop out the cheese and, and suck it dry right off of my hand. I, I don't know about you, but I can't get enough of that nacho cheese, Adam. I want nachos now. Those are the three stars of the show, baby. Tomorrow, we're splitting up. Brian's going to be at the Carson City Saloon for the Bud Light Happy Hour from 6 till 7. I will be at Buford's Kitchen, the Terrace on 5th, for the entirety of the show. And we're going to pull off some broadcast brilliance where we're all going to be on the same air at the same time. Ooh. I don't even know if we can do it, but we're going to try. Yes! Harry Carey will make an appearance, too. Yeah. Fence Flyers tomorrow. Crowley Show first. ESPN Pittsburgh.